programs and welcome to another episode of the awesome friday podcast the podcast where we talk about two new things in movies or tv every week my name is matthew and joining me as usual is simon hello simon hello hello i'm i'm enjoying the sunshine let me tell you thank you for suddenly remembered it's actually summertime so it's beautiful bright and uh, I'm using the sunshine to help me forget about the rage I am feeling about modern America. And that's all I'm going to say about that today, because I spent, I'm so tired from being angry yesterday, yesterday in, in, so when you listen to this, it'll be two days ago, but yesterday for now was Friday. And uh, I'm just filled with rage, <laughs> just general rage. And, uh, but apart from that, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah. I mean, rageful, rageful as well. Uh, for those of you who are listening at a temporally displaced time, um, <laughs> the, the, we are recording the day after the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and made clear in their opinions that they're coming after other things as well, and it is terrible. I I object to the term modern America in this context. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the, the America's... It's, I haven't tweeted very much about this. I've been reading a lot and, and, and um, there's a lot of opinions everywhere, but my general thing is that it's really, really weird actually watching America turn into Gilead. Mm -hmm. It's super weird. Uh, and it seems like every time someone writes a novel or makes a movie, that's a parable that says, Hey, maybe we should avoid doing this. Someone goes, <laughs> that looks like a really good idea. And then they run with it. And, you know, someone's trying to clone dinosaur DNA right now. And also we're stripping away the rights of women. It's super weird. I'm glad I live in Canada. Uh, wonderful. But anyway, I mean, we have our own you... problems here in Canada, but it's way too much to get into right now. But anyway, the world is on fire yeah. and it's it really is. Uh, terrible. Which, which uh, sometimes I'm having trouble writing at the moment because writing about movies or games just feels really flippant at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it almost seems like uh, disrespectful to how much everything else is on fire. But, but what I keep telling myself is that it's more important than ever to have little things that make you happy. In fact, I had a lovely exchange on Twitter this week and um, <laughs> I don't usually talk to people like I don't usually get into arguments on Twitter because I, I made a, uh, a promise to myself years and years ago about over a decade ago I was very active on the Eurogamer forum long long may it rest in peace and uh, I would get into every argument I would get stuck in and that as as a mid-20s person is want to do and um, it's exhausting uh, watching for the for the responses and, and being rageful at that as well so I don't really get stuck in. I know, Matt, you've got a lot more patience with that kind of thing. But on Twitter this week, uh, I was talking about the Cineplex. Ridiculous 150 charge to every ticket they've just decided is going to be charged to all the online booking people. And someone kind of, my message kind of challenged to say, or oh, it's the pandemic. And, and we did four or five tweets. And the four or five tweets were listening and then challenging each other back. And this guy was great. And I don't really, I don't go for the snark like I might do in real life. I'm just too tired for that. I just try and explain things as they are. And we ended up just talking in the nicest way about how important it is uh, to find little happy things at the moment. And that really, 
pushed that home for me as well. And, and it ended on a really positive note. So thank you, person on Twitter, for, for reminding me there are people on the internet that can actually disagree and have a cordial discussion and end up wishing each other that you have a nice day and, the, <laughs> and that how important it is to find nice little things. So I guess every time I watch a movie now, it's difficult to forget everything else that's going on, but that is a, a little slice of something. Otherwise, we're just going to go crazy, aren't we? I mean, I think we're, I think we're there. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, my experience on Twitter, I think, has always generally been more positive than yours. Um, but also, mm-hmm. my block list is like twenty thousand people deep at this point. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, you're, I, you're ruthless with the block. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't stand for much. Um, like I don't, I don't wait. I don't, someone reveals themselves, even like 10, someone like, if someone in my feed like retweets a really bad take or something really heinously offensive or bigoted, I just, I don't engage. I just go, Oh, that's an opportunity to block an asshole. and just block them. And just, I'm done with it. You know, like it's not mm. worth my time. Yeah. 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 And even, and even the times when, I think the last the last two times I've had like a really big like Twitter blow up moment have both been to do with Star Trek and one was recently where I like posted a trans rights thing and it went nuts and that was lovely mm-hmm. um, and the time before that was a while ago and I tweeted something about uh, the short treks and how I thought that they mm-hmm. were some of the best Star Trek currently on TV at the time um, this was a while ago this is like a year ago or more and uh, a bunch of like new Trek hating people came into my mentions and rather than like quote tweeting them, I just would screenshot and reply. And almost all of my replies were this person has clearly never watched star Trek, (laughs) (laughs) but I was, I like doing it that way because that way I can like respond to what they're saying without actually engaging them. And then I could just block them and it was fine. Yeah. Cause Twitter is a wonderful hell site, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a and, terrible thing. The pro- and I would just like to vo- voice one opinion before we move on. And so, for those mm-hmm. of you who are just were listening to what Simon was saying, Cineplex has just introduced a booking fee. So if you if and Cineplex is like the biggest movie chain here in Canada, and so if you buy a ticket online, it's a dollar fifty extra per ticket. So if Simon, for example, wanted to take his whole family to the movies, that's an extra six dollars. Now, if he's a scene member, which is their like rewards club thing, then it's only a dollar, and I'm doing the biggest air quotes in the world here, so that'd only be four dollars. Or if you join their subscription program, there is no surcharge, so it seems like a pretty naked attempt to get people to move toward that. It's also there's no surcharge if you go and talk to a person and buy a ticket at a, at a ticket booth, which, for the record, is the version of buying a ticket that has the most overhead. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. I would just like to come out here and say that this is complete bullshit and mm-hmm. I hate it. And my, I hate that they're, you know, here in Vancouver, at least they are almost entirely the only game in town. And I hate that they're going to mm-hmm. get away with it. I hate it. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's like so many things here. They have a monopoly and they can do what they want. And then what are people going to do? They, they push people towards using the online app really, really hard when it came out. It's far more convenient because then you get your ticket on your phone, so it reduces paper waste as well. It's mm-hmm. it, There's no machine maintenance for them. There's no person salary for them. So this is the easiest version, the cheapest version for them of us 
buying into their overpriced experiences. With my essay, the worst popcorn known to mankind, when I went last time, I spent one hundred twenty fucking dollars taking my family to the movies, um, and and because it's uh, it's not there for their sub members, it's a really clearly cynical move to push people to doing like every other fucking business at the moment is creating a subscription and then pushing people towards it. It's really disgusting. Yep. I hate it. I hate it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I am a member of the rewards program, uh, and, but not a member of their new subscription thing. Uh, and, uh, I don't want to be, I don't like, I, I, I don't, at the moment feel safe enough to go to the movies on a frequent enough basis to be a member of a subscription program to go to mm -hmm. the movies mm -hmm. which is really upsetting on a number of levels but mm -hmm. uh, you know if i was single and didn't have a full-time job or all this other stuff that's going on in my life then maybe but i'm none of those things are true so since i moved into a new house and i've got my a room with a tv and a myriad of entertainment options and a couch and it has no windows so it makes a brilliant film screening room as you've seen this room and the reasons for not going to the cinema were all already growing and then the pandemic got involved and then extra extra charges and honestly taking them recently i can't afford to take my family to the cinema i just can't afford it at the moment and so they are just giving me another reason to just wait things are popping up on demand now i can just wait for them i don't have a problem with that and they're not doing enough to convince me to come back yeah you know what's really funny though is that yes. we talked for 20 minutes before we started recording this and then we were like right we're gonna be positive we're not gonna say all the negative <laughs> stuff we're not just gonna bitch and moan no no, I said I'm not going to bitch and moan. I specifically said I'm not going to bitch and moan about how kids make me so tired, which is what you had for the first 20 minutes. So <laughs> I, I, bent, I, you had no choice but to listen to that for uh, off off screen. Uh, to be fair, I had a choice. Should, I, you know. Do you know what? You, you should. You don't have a choice. You never do. That's the wonderful <laughs> thing about our friendship. You're just there. The um, you should record our pre-podcast stuff and put it up for your patreon like patreons yeah. um because uh, it would be a wonderful insight <laughs> to how we begin our conversations <laughs> it's true it's true honestly there's not not a huge difference a reason why i think our podcast works really really well is that this is how we talk in real life this is how we talk <laughs> This this is why our pair, our um our wives really hate coming to the cinema with us together, especially my wife. Like your wife can detach herself a bit. My wife fucking hates going to the cinema with us because this is how we talk in real life about a movie. <laughs> my wife's like, yeah, I enjoyed that. And we're like, you know, in scene three, I felt like the lighting wasn't quite enough to bring out the underscore. And she's like, just like the movie or not. <laughs> so, um, so this is a very authentic podcast, and that's why I think it works so well. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Mm. Good. So what are we what are we tearing apart to pieces this week? Uh, well, only one thing. So this week, uh, we we're going to talk about two things, and I think we're going to talk about uh, the newer thing first, uh, which is. Uh, but before we do, I would just like to point out that. Um, we're not going to talk about it in depth, but I saw the black phone this week and it's kind of great. And if you are a parent of a kid who's like, 
12 to 14. So a little bit older than your son, uh, Simon. Um, it's the it's the perfect horror movie that they should definitely be sneaking into, if that makes sense. Nice. <laughs> uh, or like when it's kid. on TV, it's a, it's it's the kind of thing that like they should definitely stay up. Like once their parents are in bed, you you know you <laughs> stick up and 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 watch something you shouldn't watch. This should be the thing that they watch. It's like a perfect what? gateway horror for a kid. Yeah, but what's the quality? Right, what's that definable quality? Are we talking like funny horror, like Gremlins? Like that's the kind of horror I watch to get into horror, is like adjacent horror, adjacent stuff like Evil Dead. Although that's pretty adjacent, the um, uh, Gremlins <laughs> and uh, no, it's not, it's uh, not really funny. It's, it's scary. It's scary, but there's only one or two. Like there's only one jump scare that really got me, and it's a story about a kid who's locked in a basement by a crazy person and he there's a phone on the wall that's disconnected that he can talk to the spirits of the kids who've previously been murdered by this guy oh and, lovely and uh it's it's pretty good and it, like i say it's like a perfect it's a really good story of like a kid mm-hmm. learning to stand up for himself through this horrible circumstances and uh so yeah if you are listening to this and you have a 14 year old or are a 14 year old this is a movie you should see or let them see that's the case maybe it's it's not for my son he's he's very he can't deal with any kind of horror or jump scares or really anything like that um but i probably a little too young for it too like it's it's you know perfect like early like mid-teens type thing do you know what that reminds me of who's the director of the first doctor strange Scott the, the same the, the same guy who directed the Black Phone, Scott Derrickson. Oh, same director. Because what I find really interesting is that his son, he posts his son's watch list and he lets his sons watch anything, everything. And his son posted, and he's only about 14, I think. And recently he did a like best of like the films he's seen. And the list was incredible. Like the, the amount of things he'd seen. And it was a really good list as well. And I kind of think uh, that's not the approach we took with our kids, but Scott Derrickson has clearly gone, you can watch anything you want. Like, watch everything, watch different things, and make your own opinions. I think that's kind of awesome, because he's going to grow up with such great film literacy. Yep. There's a a film critic I like uh, called Drew McQueenie, who has two kids. Um, and he actually wrote a book at one point called Film Nerd 2.0, and it's the same deal. He just says, okay, this is the movie we're going to watch tonight, and he just shows them stuff. Uh, and those kids are going to grow up to be amazing movie people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what's our okay. first thing we're talking about? So we're going Before... to talk about the shiny new Netflix movie, The Sea Beast, which is very much like the Black Phone in that it's intended for kids. Um, um, this is a new netflix release it is coming out on uh july the yes mid-july isn't it quite early with this one Uh, i think it's july the 8th it's the first or the eighth i can't remember which off the top of my head Mm -hmm. i should look that we should this seems like the kind of thing that a professional would know um uh, but it is an animated feature. It's also playing right now. So if you happen to be in Vancouver or Toronto, you can actually go see this in a theater right now. Uh, and I think you probably should. It's pretty good. Yeah, debuting on July the 8th, playing in Vancouver and Toronto 
and I'm sure right. some American cities right now. Um, okay. And uh, it's I, I so I'm going to let you talk about this one a little bit, Simon, because yeah. in terms of the uh, the breakdown uh, of the plot, just because I liked it, but I think you liked it more than me, based on yeah. very brief exchanges about it all so far. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, there's lots of this movie that um, lots of themes and characters and things in this film that I really loved and really loved how it mixed together. But I can, as I'll talk about it a little bit later, and I texted this to you last night, there's a mix of styles that is either going to work for you or it's going to feel just kind of disjointed, which really was my wife's takeaway. Um, but this movie's about um, it's classic mid 1800s ragtag group of I mean, they're pirates, but they're not pirates. They're hunters. They they sail the seven seas. They they uh, they shout orders at each other and drink lots of alcohol. And they're all very rough and ready people. And they are legends in the time. There's um, uh, there's storybooks about them because they hunt the sea beasts. And this great kingdom that hires them um, uh, uses them to kill the sea beasts that used to ravage the coastal towns and come in and steal women and steal children and these brave hunters go out and it opens with this absolutely tremendous uh, sequence of um the, the the pirate captain so brilliantly voiced by jared harris and honestly i would have jared harris in in every film like live action animated if it was possible i'd just cast him in everything because he voices the old sea dog captain and um this captain, in a very Moby Dick kind of style, is going after this one uh, beast that he's been hunting for 30 years. And they're getting close to this beast, and then he, um, one of his buddies gets in trouble, so they go and help him. And they help him by fighting off this kind of lobster kraken for, from his buddy, buddy ship. And it is a, as with all the sea battle scenes, it is spectacularly directed and choreographed it's so exciting and it it reminded me that there's lots of influences here there's very clear parts of the caribbean there's very clear moby dick uh, there's very clear moana there's even a dose of lilo and stitch at one point and when you it's by one of the directors of moana and big hero six so it, it's not a, a huge surprise to see those influences but it, it tells the story of this um stowaway this young girl called Maisie who reads the stories of these hunters and decides to join them for her own personal reasons. And I don't think I th you will, when you watch this movie at, at quite an early point, you'll realize, Oh, it's going to be that kind of movie because her influence and the sea beast influence then influences the humans around her. And um, who knew the Royals were bad all along? I mean, historically the british royals have done so much for the world and when they're surrounded by like the most incredibly designed golden palace multi-layered golden palace and exquisitely designed like hunting ship they've built just because they've got british accents doesn't mean they're nasty people <laughs> i don't know like i don't know where they get this historical stereotype from but um it doesn't it doesn't it didn't matter for me that it it was a story that we've seen before. I'm not going to spoil it, but you can probably guess even from the way we're talking about it. The characters are really, really dynamic. And the art style, I thought, was a really interesting mix with the 
the physical objects are super detailed. So buildings, ships, like physical objects, highly detailed. The humans are really, really stylized, very chunky faces, um, very angular faces as well. And then the monsters are like one primary color. They're a shape and a color. So you've actually got these three different animation styles. And for me, it worked like gangbusters. I loved it. But but uh, obviously, I know you didn't feel the same way uh, as strongly as I did. Like, what's your take on that? I thought it was pretty good. Um, my, I, I didn't I didn't think that the. I don't know what to say about the movie. You haven't already said basically everything Simon just said is true. Parts of the stylistic differences are going to again either work for you or not. The uh, for me. I found it a little disjointing, a little disjointed, um, but I think it's just a personal preference type thing. I also found that it was, a, and this is sort of a weird thing, but I really like when animation treats the camera like a camera, and this was just always in full focus everywhere the whole time. There was never any like camera work um, that I remember anyway, so there was never any like rack focuses or any like. Oh things like that right it was just always everything was always in focus all the time and i found that a little again uh kind of kicked me out of it a little bit um but you I mean the animation itself is exquisite like all three styles are exquisite yeah. um the many of the physical objects are effectively like they're photorealistic there was a mm -hmm. moment it toward the end where when, when a character like walks onto this a uh, bit of like stone mm. rubble and i was like that looks like a photograph mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just Probably. and then when like the animated highly stylized animated hand like landed on it i was like did they just take a mm. photograph like it looks amazing mm -hmm. uh the characters mostly also look amazing and the monsters themselves are a little bit simplistic but very purposefully so like they're meant to be uh i mean they, look, they look like child's drawings don't they Really, a little bit, like, yeah. yeah. And I think I, I, the problem yeah. here is that, like, I don't want to spoil that the how this movie goes down, but like, I've seen How to Train Your Dragon. So if you've seen yeah, that, yeah. Movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know where the young, the young boy, the young character who grows up in a world where everyone thinks that the monsters are monsters, and then maybe discovers that maybe they're not, and then has to convince the world that they're not monsters. I mean, we've seen this movie before. Uh, how to Train Your Dragon has done it three times <laughs> um, um and i think maybe my problem is that i think like how to train your dragon is by far one of my favorite animated features yeah and, and it's, it's a tough and i hate being the guy to be like i like that one better but in this mm -hmm. particular case i had a hard time not making that comparison because they were so similar um i also and this <laughs> maybe someone with an english accent simon can confirm this but I, <laughs> some of the voice work in this is really good jared harris is really good um mm -hmm. i thought that the young girl who played Maisie, whose name i have also blanked it, she's called zaris zaris angel i'm gonna say hator h-a-t-o-r i'm sorry yeah. if you're listening which you're not but i'm sorry if i've mangled your name and, and like i thought she was pretty good um and but and I thought that uh, Carla Urban plays the like the basically the main adult character like the the co protagonist uh, of the story, and I think he's very generally quite good. Um, 
I do wish she'd settle on an accent ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was Carl Urban, and about three quarters of the way through the movie, I and I thought this about another movie recently. I'm like, his shifting regional accent has to be a plot point, right? <laughs> like at some point that's gonna be a thing where he turns out to be secretly from like that he's related to the royals or he's seen because he would either be really really posh or like really really yorkshire or really really like southern and and it's weird because he could have just used the voice that he uses in thor ragnarok and it would have been perfect like which is completely solid i call this what are his guns called in thor ragnarok this one's come on matt you're oh the one who yeah this why am i not remembering this uh anyway this my, is my so, stuff anyway yeah my my problem is that well i mean in thor ragnarok they basically let him i mean he sort of drifts between his accent from thor ragnarok his accent from the boys which is like a really bad cockney accent <laughs> but that kind of <laughs> works within the within the, the it works within mm. the confines of the boys and then occasionally he would just be his normal Kiwi self in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I found the shifting around a little bit distracting. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah. Um, but all this is like very nitpicky. Like, I like the movie. It's a good movie. It's a totally solid movie. Uh, you know, perfect. Uh, double up the middle. Great for kids. Um, I kind of can't believe that Netflix produced this. I know they hired Sony Animation to do the animation itself, but it is a Netflix mm-hmm. production, not something that they purchased. Yeah. And Chris Williams is a good director. I mean, he directed mm-hmm. uh, Bolt and Big Hero 6, mm-hmm. and he's been involved in animation his entire career. He's very talented. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this movie. And I kind of... This is the kind of movie that I, I think I hate reviewing the most because mm-hmm. it, for me it falls into that trap of it's fine and i don't yeah no, i did think it. of you when i was watching it because i'm the, i'm the one watching it with two kids as well and i think that context gives you a very different feeling towards watching kids movies like i have 100 it does yeah and the um it helped for me is that i know you love how to train your dragon and, and this is very similar thematically i don't love how to train your dragon so i don't have that milestone to go that that uh, obstacle to get over and also i'm kind of really into swashbuckling pirate stories and what the movies i grew up loving were the old ray harryhausen clash of the titans stop frame animation big monsters versus little people and this just just like they were so the monsters were all like primary colors drawn in crayon when they weren't drawn in crayon but they were just big chunky things and it really just triggered that for me that kind of childlike um wonder and uh, and i loved the direction of the the camera work as well i it really stood out for me the direction of particularly the battle scenes where i thought were just like spectacular like dances and um so So, i mean some of the the first battle scene in particular is pretty excellent uh and there's a moment where the the grizzled pirate captain like flies through the air and stabs a sea beast in the chest and then like Mm -hmm goes down with it for like into the water with for a while and that's a pretty great moment like there's this movie is full of great moments and i think i think you should definitely watch it what what, what more can i say i think it's fine i think you should totally watch it especially if you have kids i think if you have kids this is a great movie for them there there is some animal death but like 
they're giant monsters. It should be pretty easy to deal with. Uh, my my daughter um, tapped out when the first monster died. She stormed up, says, "You know, I don't like movies where nice things die." And I'm like, "But it's a sea monster." <laughs> Didn't yeah. help. Didn't help at all. But um, the what I will say is that something I wanted to happen didn't happen. It's a little nitpicky by me that they, the Royal and the Royals unveil this absolutely like it's, uh, it's if Trump were an 1800s hunting ship, it's like 400 cannons and gold lined and it's completely over the top. And so the Royals want to use their own Navy ship to hunt the sea beasts instead of paying for the hunters. So there's meant to be this chase that that story thread never really figures actually there's no real chase that you expect it to happen what i kind of thought i, I, the, I actually the, really uh, liked how they handled that to be honest like, yeah without, but it, it without just, going into spoilers but like mm-hmm. uh and it's definitely a move you've seen in other films where like yeah. we have a big new weapon and it should do the job perfectly and then yes. Spoiler alert, it does not do the job perfectly. Basically, the yes, it was a bit of an Indiana Jones in the market moment with the ship. Like, I was yeah. kind of uh, expecting there to be a big, like, old ship plus sea monster plus new ship in a big battle, and it doesn't go there. But the way it does resolve it is unexpected and it does work. So, I mean, like the whole film for me, it just worked brilliantly. I, I, lo- I, I really loved it. And it, it does look different from usual Netflix productions, for sure. Like, way, way better. Yeah, it's, I mean, Netflix's reputation at this point, deserved or not, is that most of their original films are not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that that's 100% true. They put out so much stuff that it's actually kind of hard to separate the signal from the noise. But this is a good movie. And mm-hmm. um, my sincere worry about it is that it'll be when it debu- debuts on Netflix on the 8th it'll be popular for a week and then disappear into the algorithm and people will watch it like everything else like everything else that happens good or bad like everything else that yeah. debuts on Netflix yeah it takes us a special kind of something to rise above the algorithm in Netflix and I think currently mm-hmm. the only thing that's really doing it is Stranger Things yeah is that good have you watched sorry a slight deviation have you watched the new season of Stranger Things Yes, we really liked it actually, and we're uh, uh, the the last two episodes, which are both feature length uh, of this season, are coming out soon, and we're on Canada Day, and we I I, I may or may not have the day off to watch it specifically. <laughs> okay, that's a good sign. Because the first it's a, it's an eight episodes or no a nine episode season, and the first seven have aired, and they were mostly. Like, they're all a little longer than normal. Like, a lot of them were as many as 90 minutes, but the last two episodes are 90 minutes and two and a half hours. So it's a solid... The last episode of a TV show is two and a half hours? Yeah, of the season. Of the season. The last episode of the season is two and a half hours. Wow. Or something like... Something ridiculous like that. And um, is this the final season? Is this, like, series ender kind of thing? Um, It very much could be, but I'm pretty sure they're going to get a fifth. A fifth right. and final. Right. So, and that's very much how the Sea Beast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how so many stars are you giving us? Yeah, okay. I'm giving it. Uh, it's a perfectly adequate, perfectly solid three for me. Three to five. Yeah, it, I wanted to give. Honestly, I enjoyed it so much. I thought about giving it a five, but it's a very, very good four for me. There's a there's a few pacey moments, and there's a few things that I would have preferred 
very minor nitpicks. I am, I would love to go and see it in the cinema. And I can't, there's not many movies I feel like that about, but it is, it's a very big movie. There's lots like the, there's lots of big things happening and I would love to go see it because it's so colorful as well. It's this very solid four for me. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's totally, totally fair. I think I do actually wonder going back to our earlier conversation, this is playing here in Vancouver and it is playing in Toronto and I wonder if I would have reacted better to it in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very good home theater setup, but it does feel like the kind mm-hmm. of movie that mm-hmm. if you saw it in a theater, especially if you saw it in a theater with a bunch of kids around, it might hit a lot harder. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, Definitely. Which it sort of reminds me, like, I, I love all of the How to Train Your Dragon movies, to be clear. <laughs> but one of my, and this is totally off topic, but one of my favorite movie going memories is um when i saw how to train your dragon three <laughs> i went to the theater by myself and it was just full of kids because of course it is it's a kids movie mm-hmm. but i'm sitting in this row and beside me is a dad and in between and then there's like four kids and then another dad and so but the dads are just like i'm here with my kids they're not really talking and i'm just sitting there and these four kids are talking and at one point <laughs> At one point, this one kid is like talking about how great he is at soccer, and he's like, "But you know what else? I'm also I'm doing trying to do really well in science class." And one of the other kids is like, "Why you're so good at soccer? Like, why wouldn't you just focus on soccer?" He's like, "Well, I want something to fall back on." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and this is like a, like a twelve year old, just to be clear. <laughs> like, it's just nice. It's <laughs> And you could just see the dads like making eye contact and being like giving each other a nod, you know, like it was pretty great. It was pretty great. <laughs> nice to be um, cynical so young. Watching yeah. kid, watching watching movies with kids with a lot of kids is kind of weird because I'm definitely a very reactive to people talking in the cinema. Like people just shut the fuck up and watch the movie when we go and watch a movie. Anyone talking in the cinema, yeah, I go straight to fucking rage and I can't control it and it really bothers me because sometimes it ruins a movie. You go and watch a movie with kids and it's like a million director's commentaries all happening at the same time. But it's kind of amazing because they're all talking about like immediately reacting to what they're seeing and what they're feeling. And like, could that be him? Oh no, here he goes. And it's like a pantomime and it's kind of amazing. So um, it's a very different experience. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, like uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're kids. You kind of have to let them get away yeah. with it a little bit. Yeah. And so, my son fist fist bumping at the end of Top Gun Maverick is is a something I'll remember for a long time because like <laughs> he's that that very uh, it was like the end of Breakfast Club just just like yeah <laughs> it was amazing okay so well, should well, we move on that's, that's the sea beasts again one one last time if you live in Vancouver it's playing at Scotiabank and if you mm-hmm. live in Toronto. It is playing at another at a theater in Toronto, which I have the name of. Um, uh, hang you should on. go see it. You should go, you should go see definitely... it and buy tickets in person. For fuck's sake, don't use yeah, the app. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's playing at Scotiabank Theater in Toronto, and it's playing at Cineplex Odeon International Village here in Vancouver, uh, and it does debut on Netflix on the eighth. So do if you can, if you have the opportunity, if you have kids, it's a great one to take your kids to see. And mm-hmm. you should totally do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, moving okay. on, we're going to talk about something uh, not <laughs> quite as new. Um, 
recently. Well, this, I mean, <clears throat> this week, it's kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. This week marked the finale of the six episode limited Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, the latest entry in the ongoing Star Wars saga, which is a very weird sentence to say if you're as old as we are, I think. <laughs> um, and it is, in a word, divisive, maybe, would be the word for it. Um, but we are going to talk about it, and spoiler alert, I didn't really like it. So... <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> It's, I don't know, it's a tough one. Uh, we wanted to talk about it because we've been holding off talking about it since it started, basically. Um, but the problem is that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a show... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to describe this show because there's such a weird dissonance about how I feel about it. Because on the one hand, I think a lot of the acting is really good. Um, and on the other hand, I think the show itself is pretty bad. Uh, so if you didn't watch it and it's over now so spoilers if you haven't but you definitely can it's on disney plus all six episodes are out um but basically it's set about 10 years after the revenge of the sith and about 10 years before a new hope or star wars as we used to call it um obi-wan kenobi is a uh you know former general of the republic uh living in seclusion a hero defeated who is recalled to action when his old friend, Bail Organa, played by Jimmy Smits, calls him and lets him know that Leia has been kidnapped. That his uh, his daughter, and famously, Darth Vader's daughter, has been kidnapped. And it's all a ruse by the Inquisitors, who are, you know, force-using... They're basically the Jedi, but bad, that exists between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Um, and they want to find Obi-Wan Kenobi because Darth Vader wants to resolve his everything by facing off against Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this show is just a mess. I'm sorry. It's just a mess. I don't know why I can't describe the plot a little more succinctly, but it's because it's sort of a mess. You know, it's uh, it's a six episode series. It's structured like a film which is kind of frustrating. I mean, it makes sense because it's a limited series, but it's very frustrating to watch. Um, I, and I didn't, I didn't, I think, I think that Ewan McGregor is really good. I actually think that Hayden Christensen in the few scenes we, you know, that we, especially the few scenes where we get to see his face is actually really good. Um, Moses Ingram plays the main inquisitor in the story, the third sister, Riva and she is incredible. Um, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, man. What do you? Well, how do you? You're the you're the Star Wars fan. You're the yeah. guy who grew up with. Star, I'm the Star Trek guy. You're the Star Wars guy. So, mm-hmm. as a Star Wars fan, how do you feel? Just very generally, before we get into any specifics, how do you feel overall about the series? Because I wanted to love it. This is the kind of show that the kind of premise that I wanted to love and I just don't. And I kind of hate it because of that. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I kind of dreading talking about it. It's about well, two white guys, two 45 year old white guys talking about Star Wars is, 
is a pretty common thing you can find on the internet. And I don't. Well, hey, it's hey, just... and it's you shouldn't be afraid. Star Wars fans are known for their polite and reasonable reactions <laughs> to negative now, criticism. You know when you just decide not to tell people you like something anymore because of the the negative kind of implications of it? That's kind of where I am with Star Wars at the moment. But that's a whole different thing. My reaction to Kenobi is that it just wasn't good enough. It just wasn't good enough. Like, it's so uneven uh, as a show. And I think the most frustrating thing for me as a someone who whose whole life has been defined by this one fucking movie, not even series, but this like one film that has led to all the other films that has led to everything else that the, uh, the, the, there's flashes in these six episodes of what it could have been. There's Mm -hmm. incredible, incredible potential for what it could have been like, and the, the, the top of that potential pyramid is Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is genuinely, like, goes from heartbreaking to compassionate. He is an, just an incredible actor, which we knew already. But I, I, I think to find someone who was able to bridge the gap to, a, to pre-Star Wars Alec Guinness and do it that honours Guinness's performance and his kind of delivery and his stature but also make it his own Ewan McGregor just blew me out of the water I thought he was amazing Hayden Christensen it's so lovely to see him and I said this to you yesterday one of my happiest things about this is seeing how how just genuinely touched he is at the fan reaction to having him back because he he didn't have to come back he it was by and large quite a negative part of his life the reaction to it but the, the show, the the narrative outlined, like the reasons for things happening in this show were secondary to, for them, how do we connect all these cool moments that we want to share? Okay, so we want to show this cool thing. So how do we connect those dots? And the how do we connect those dots had such big holes. The writing was so basic and let them down on so many times. And the... The, the giant, like, what is going on here moments. Every episode had one moment, and it became kind of funny for me at the end, where I'm like, okay, what's the moment going to be in this episode where I put my head in my hands and go, why is this happening? I don't understand why this is happening. There's, it's only happening so they can get to their next, like, tweetable moment. And it's a shame because the first three where are we? Six episodes, right? So the first four episodes I thought had, were up and down. I, I have to say, I thought all the cast were fantastic. And there's lots of fucking idiots picking on Moses Ingram, who is a highly trained actor and a Harvard graduate and was brilliant at what she does in this. What she had, fantastic. The young girl that plays, plays Princess Leia, who, was, who performed the script she was given, so how you feel about how it was written is separate. She was brilliant as well. I think they really lucked out in finding someone who captured like that, that Carrie Fisher spark. Like, spark. Uh, Sun Kang is fantastic. If only he had literally anything else to do. Um, Indira anything Vel- at all. Anything yeah. at all to do. Indira Vama is fantastic. Like, uh, the, the cast, I don't like Rupert Friend as the Inquisitor. I don't like his delivery at all. Compared to I started liking him, actually. Oh, did you? I didn't work I, for you, but... 
I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of the of the of the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels, uh, where he mm-hmm. was Jason Isaacs. Uh, but I I <laughs> I sort of loved this version of him, uh, who is <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I really like Rupert Friend. Like it's uh, right, right, right. But yeah. the so I so yeah, I there's lots of things I I thought were fantastic and that made it even worse if it was all terrible then you could just go and go oh yeah this was just bad this was another book of boba fett where everyone's sleepwalking through it and it's just really bad there was some so many positive aspects of what this could have been and they just there's so many narrative decisions that frustrated me and made no sense and ultimately like why does this exist like what story is it trying to tell and most of the time i don't know what the answer to that is so yeah it's it's been really frustrating actually um there's two other things on tv right now that are in many ways i think similar to obi-wan kenobi one of them is star trek strange new worlds which is a prequel series to the original star trek series and in many ways it is playing fast and loose with the continuity of Star Trek. Um, and the other one is Ms. Marvel, which is another entry in a huge Disney franchise with connections to a myriad of other properties. And the thing there's the thing that strikes me about the reason I bring them both up is they the thing that strikes me about Star Trek Strange New Worlds versus Kenobi is that Strange New Worlds seems to be excited to be Star Trek. If that makes sense. <clears throat> Whereas Kenobi seems kind of resigned to being more Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right? I know it's like a more somber story. Like, Strange New World's most recent episode, you know, they go into a nebula that turns out to be sentient and transports the ship, turns the ship into a fairy tale for a young girl. Like, it is a ridiculous show in the best way possible. Um, but it feels like the people making Star Wars, and I think to the reason I, I bring up Ms. Marvel is that Ms. Marvel seems to be concerned with being its own thing first and then establishing connections that serve that story. Whereas mm-hmm. Kenobi seems to be that the the story serves the connections to Star mm-hmm. Wars, if that makes sense. Well, the story is getting, yeah, absolutely. The story like, is getting to one connection. They're getting to the thing. This whole series exists because fans wanted to see the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth that is referenced in A New Hope. Like, they want to get to the point where Obi-Wan learns that Darth is Darth, although he learned at the end of Revenge of the Sith, but they want to see more of these two leading to to that disgust moment. And, and that's what it felt like for me. Like, the whole series served to make this one callback. And to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, when be they fair. get there, when they get there, the interaction between them is probably the highlight of the whole season for me. And I won't yeah, really spoil what is said, but... But uh, you don't have to uh, spoil it, because they've already done that fight. This is the other thing that bothers me, and I know that, like, saying, well, you should watch the animated stuff, uh, you know, to get the whole picture, but, like, if you have watched Star, Star Wars Rebels, you know that we already had a version of this exact same fight between between Darth Vader and Ahsoka Tano, who Anakin Skywalker was Ahsoka Tano's master. She was his Padawan. And they, they basically have the same fight with basically the same resolution. It's really frustrating 
to just i mean it, and it looked really cool and i don't want to to minimize the fact that hayden christensen's performance in that moment um is incredible i think it's and i've seen a lot of, I've, I've seen a bunch of stuff that he's been in just aside from star wars and he's actually it's really a shame how he sort of was bullied out of the business but like yeah. um he's actually a really good actor and he's so charismatic yeah i've seen and, live and, in london he's amazing yeah and and the, that moment where they they have their emotional confrontation after they fight for a while is legitimately mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. i do actually think though that <clears throat> having obi-wan and darth meet for the first time in a new hope after their showdown at the end of revenge of the sith is more powerful than after this fight in the middle of those two things mm-hmm. and it just feels like the show is just trying to be more star wars instead of trying to be its own good thing first and try instead of the, the story yeah i and as much as i think that that moment was also a highlight of the series for me um, I think that this show probably could have been a better, more interesting show if Darth Vader had not been in it. Because originally it was Darth Maul. And before the rewrites, it was Darth Maul. Yeah, but even that's, <laughs> pro- even that's problematic, right? Like... They, they had Ray Park prepped. Like, he was in pre-production, and then it, the whole thing got rewritten and delayed. Yeah, but we've already seen Darth Maul's... Here's the thing. So, yeah, we've already seen... Again, not to be like, you have to watch all this other stuff, but if you've watched Clone Wars, or more particularly if you've watched Rebels, we have already seen Darth Maul's entire character arc and resolution. Mm-hmm. And I'm just tired of, and I guess to come back to Ms. Marvel for a second, the thing I, I think that's really important about Ms. Marvel is that it's pushing the Marvel Universe into new places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, introducing... Uh, more multicultural heroes it's uh you know kamala khan herself being like a marvel fangirl is being like an avengers fangirl is a really nice analog for every young girl that's watching the show and every person that's watching the show really um and but (laughs) everything that star wars has done especially since the last jedi just makes the universe smaller in ways that I find really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And everything about the show, like there's a moment in the finale where Obi-Wan Kenobi, like in a moment of self-sacrifice, looks directly at the camera and says, like they're trying to escape this Star Destroyer. And Obi-Wan Kenobi says, I'll take the smaller ship and go to a planet and lure him away. And, you know, one way or another, this ends today. But like, no, it won't. No, it won't. Are you trying <laughs> yeah. to... Are you trying to pretend that I haven't seen a new hope? Even just a new mm-hmm. hope at this point, right? Like, we know mm-hmm. it's not going to end today, right? It doesn't really make sense for him to, even if in, within his experience to this point in the timeline, it just doesn't really make sense to have him say that. And then at the end, at the end of the day, he just, he he wins and then he walks away. Like, it doesn't, I don't know. I'm so frustrated. The show is full of moments where someone has the upper hand and could just win and then then walks away. Oh my god, it happens so often and it just drives me crazy because you know it's because they need them for the story, but it doesn't make sense in the story. Well, they don't need them for this story. um... They need them for, like, they can't 
you can't have Obi-Wan win and kill Vader because Vader's in the original trilogy. And this is set before. They're, they are hamstrung by mm-hmm. the existing material. And I hate it. I hate it. I really want Star Wars to stop doing this. I really want Star Wars to do something new and interesting. Set it, If you're going to make a prequel, set it 3,000 years in the past. Like, before the Old Republic. And if you're going to mm-hmm. do a sequel, set it 100 years in the future uh, and have you know, have some minor homages to stuff that happened before. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, just do something new. Stop. Because the other thing... Well, just... Uh, so, I am so well, just, frustrated. Let, let I, me interrupt there where you get your other thing together, because I just want to say that the uh, the same themes, but with different people in a different place. They don't even have to go, like, and design a whole new version of this world. Just go somewhere else with new people. My, my daughter wants to... Uh, has wanted to restart rebels so we started we watched the first episode of rebels this morning and it's just miles above everything else that's being produced because it's different people in a different place doing interesting things but with the same like themes underneath it and it feels like the whole universe is being pushed forward instead of the same people doing the things that we know how it's going to result be resolved okay what's your thing yeah and especially with rebels it like it it takes great pains to not involve hardly anyone from the original trilogy especially on the hero but vader shows up and the empire shows up but Mm -hmm. there's not it's mostly new characters and like the one time you see luke it's in the distance and he's like 10 um and you know the one time we see obi-wan it's again the resolution to darth maul's story um Mm -hmm. and it's it's actually i think one of the best moments in star wars is that final showdown between obi-wan and maul in that um in that series Mm -hmm. But the thing is that every time they do one of these shows that fills in the gap between something we've already, two things we've already had, it makes the universe not only smaller just because we're seeing the same stuff over and over again, but like, I have a much harder time with Darth Vader being redeemed at the end of The Return of the Jedi now than I did before. And the reason for that is I have seen him murder so many more people. And mm-hmm. so many more children and just being every time he does some evil heinous thing i'm like why did this guy get a redemption at the like i did not really like the rise of skywalker but i will say one thing i did really like about it is at the end of that movie kylo ren reverts back into being ben solo comes and saves ray gives his life to do so and then just dies and goes away there's no force ghosts because he was too evil to be fully redeemed. And mm-hmm. Darth Vader at this point is too evil to be fully redeemed. Like he is at the end of The Return of the Jedi. Because mm-hmm. we just see him. I think from the... And it's honestly got pretty hard when we saw him murdering children in the prequel trilogy. But it's also more hard now that we've seen him murdering children up close in this TV series. It's, yeah. That's it's, the thing. Like they the Since... Like I, another reason, I know we have mixed, differing opinions about Rogue One. I adore Rogue One because it it takes a gap in the mythos and fills it with new people, and but it still links back. But the the element with Darth Vader at the end, which got added um, very very late into post production to give it this finale, is Darth Vall, Darth Vader being full like evil Vader, and the reaction to that from many many fans is like yeah 
evil Darth Vader is cool. Let's see Darth Vader be more evil, which is good because he he is a bad character. He is a dis, despicably evil character, as we've seen him. And in Obi Wan, they like take that, and they actually went way further with it than I thought they would. Like there there are close up moments of him just randomly breaking a, a young person's neck just because he can. And so I, I I absolutely agree with you. Like the more we see him being the Vader that we were always told he was, it makes sort of his final, final moment of, oh, no, it's fine. I'm fine. Thanks, Luke. You were right. There was good of me all along. Just not when I was snapping the necks of the children or yep. doing this thing. It is tough. Yeah. So, I mean... The whole show is, and I, I think it's probably, I think you can hear in my voice that, like, the word for the show is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many things in it that, that I like. There's, is uh, by the same token as you saying that there's one moment in every episode where you just sort of go, oh, for Christ's sake, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. There's also a moment in every episode where you're like, that is amazing. Every episode has one. Mm-hmm. Every single mm-hmm. episode has one where you think, wow, that is really cool, or Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. did an amazing job with that, or this new character is super interesting. Um, but at the end, like the resolution is just sort of, there is no resolution, because there can't be, because all these people need to be in their places for Star Wars. You know? Mm-hmm. Like it's... Yeah. And like... And I and again, just to be clear, like I think Star Wars Rebels is a really great show, and I think that Dave Filoni has done a lot of really good things for Star Wars. But the more we see of the Inquisitors, the more I have to wonder where were they during A New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like exactly. they're super, yeah. they're basically Jedi but bad. But by the time of A New Hope, they're just all gone. Like I don't really, and I'm sure someone is making a show that's going to like explain that oh absolutely for sure like the there's many of these shows i've just said to to answer those questions and the more they kind of paint themselves into the corner the more they're contradicting their own continuity and star wars does pay attention to its own continuity way more than trek does and so they need more material more content quote unquote to kind of explain away like how does leia know like Leia nearly close clearly knows Obi-Wan so we'll put in this part where he says you should pretend that you don't I don't know why Sean Connery you should pretend that you don't know me like it's just like oh yeah they're they're looping a back it's like a recursive loop as they're trying to paint over the gaps that they're creating for themselves it's just very frustrating yeah and I I I, yeah my my position remains the same that this show, if it didn't have Darth Vader in it, or even any Inquisitors or anyone else Force-sensitive at all, um, if it had just been about the path, uh, you know, the, the Underground Railroad for Jedi coming to find Obi-Wan and ask for their help to do a thing and save another Jedi or save a youngling or something, I think it would have been a better show. I think it would have served the themes of him mm-hmm. finding himself again better. I think it would have uh, given everyone plenty of opportunity to act. And you could still have Reva or any one of the Inquisitors show up to be like the threat in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would have been a better show without 
like that with the 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 fewer connections to existing Star Wars lore, mm-hmm. the better. I think would have been the case yeah. with the show. Yeah, I agree. I I was thinking at the beginning, very early on, I kind of thought that you know, including Leia is a mistake, just on a basic level. So like, here's I'm the glad... thing. I'm actually sort of fine with it being Leia, if only because it wasn't Luke. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know what I mean? Like, that would and, be, yeah, and yeah. having still, and, and having Leia being another... it's it's just another thing for them to, to like have to plaster over. You're not wrong, but like, it's so like even five. 10 years ago it would have just been luke and we would have had to like and then there'd be fanboys all over the internet being like after the finale mm. aired being like oh yeah there was that moment where obi-wan looks at luke skywalker and they share like a knowing 0.5 second glance and that that's the moment where you know that this adventure really happened because they they're remembering and they're just refusing to talk about it and just explaining themselves into a mm. frenzy because one of the other things my, my experience of watching the show is following you know people on Twitter and TikTok especially who are like raving about it and I'm just like are you watching this are you paying attention like mm. it's it's funny you bring up that that moment in Rogue One with Vader at the end cuz I think I think that that's all people the people who profess to be Star Wars fans I think that's all they want is a Darth Vader killing people in the hallway that's what they want from Star mm-hmm. Wars and it's really again frustrating I, I'm disappointed that Kenobi was another Star Wars story where you had an older warrior veteran type looking after a child and learning about compassion on the way. Like, have we, everyone's seen The Mandalorian? Everyone's seen that story. Uh, I think in the first episode of Obi-Wan, you, it opens with the Inquisitors hunting a Jedi and they find him. And it's this like, I don't know, 17-year-old boy, 18-year-old boy who is fleeing by himself and he can't help himself but be good. And, and at that point, Kenobi has disconnected from the Force, so he doesn't try and be the good Jedi. And this character is just used, he comes to find Obi-Wan, and then next time we see him, he's hanging. He's dead. And I wonder if it would have been a much more interesting story if, if Kenobi had actually, if that character had stuck around to be the motivation for Kenobi to try and reconnect with the force to try and save this older kid, because we, we haven't really seen that. We've seen the older and baby. We've seen a learning from them. Like we've seen that a couple of times now. I don't need to see that again, but I'd be interested in like a, um, uh, what's his name from, from rebels, uh, the, the kid from rebels, oh, Ezra, uh, Ezra. So, and, and Ezra, kind of relationship with this old battled hero who and he newly he clearly knew who everyone was so there's a bit of hero worship there so you've already got this established that you've got this this like young jedi who worships this old warrior who doesn't want to be that old warrior anymore like isn't that interesting like where's where does that go from that point as he tries to keep this kid away from reva wouldn't wouldn't that have been a bit more interesting and it and it wouldn't have affected anything. It wouldn't have affected anything in the future because we don't see this kid again. And you could easily just like <clears throat> work in like the one connection you need to to Luke by just having Ben stop by Owen and being like, "I'll be off planet for a few days," mm-hmm. and then have Luke run by in the background. You know, like it's 
it's not that hard to make connections that serve the story rather than stories that serve those connections. But then you couldn't have badass Aunt Baru who apparently stashes weapons all over the compound in case they get invaded because that was a a very obvious point for that character to go to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, we haven't even talked about how legitimately bad and I hate to say this because Deborah Chow has done some other good stuff, but like I don't know how there's no it's it's always you always want to blame the director, but I'm sure there's more to blame to go around that like the action direction in the show is just terrible. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And even in the I, in the moments where it should be good, in particular that last fight between Obi Wan and Vader in the last episode, there's just no clear sense of geography, there's no clear sense of movement. Um and although there's some cool moments, but like the and the acting and the act that moment where they act where they capital A act with one another is incredible, but the fight that leads up to it is kind of a mess. And I just yep. I'm so yep. it's hard to see and I hate it. I hate it. And that's that's consistent in every episode. The the spaceship scenes are probably some of the worst I've seen in any modern sci fi. And not just terms in of the CG of the compositing, but the way that it, it looks like someone's holding them, like the hands just off screen. There's an episode where some s- snow speeders arrive to save the day, and they're flying, they're like half in frame, and you can almost hear someone going, like it is, and then one starts randomly floating, and that they they're just about to fly into a wall, and it cuts away, and they're fine. Like it's it's spectacularly terrible. The action direction and it doesn't help that they're using this volume system this backdrop that can't deal with fast movements or deep cg or, or any kind of dynamic shots because it shows the scenes it's a it's basically a, a wraparound set of thin tv screens that they can project any background onto and if you put the camera in, in the wrong position it you can see that it's completely fake so mm-hmm. it's just really stilted and flat and bland in the last episode the whole end sequence cuts between nighttime on Tatooine and nighttime on lightsaber fight planet, which of course they had to land in nighttime. So their glowy night six look good. And they're both running through rocks and they're cutting back and forth between these two narratives. And it looks exactly the same. There is no difference between these planets. They might as well be next to each other. And it's just, just creative decisions like that. It like the whole series is mired by a lack of imagination and it could, it should have been so much better for a big production like that. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's again the word for the show is frustrating, mm-hmm. super frustrating. And uh, I really I really hope that they stop trying to fill in these blanks. And I'm it makes me really worried about. Not even really worried. I'm just sort of resigned to the fact that the Andor TV series that's coming up is probably not going to be that good. I mean. It's uh, <laughs> it has it has potential to be good, but at this point, as a person who I haven't liked this, the book of Boba Fett is pretty bad. The Mandalorian is uneven as fuck. Um, I just don't have any faith that Andor is going to be anything other than fine. The only thing that makes me positive about Andor, first of all, it's an offshoot from Rogue One, and I would have Rogue One's babies if it was a person. And it, there's going to be the um trailer has shown two things that give me hope the first is lots of new faces mm-hmm. and the second is lots of physical sets people actually walking through outdoor sets and 
I would love for that to be a recurring theme in all of Andorra if they just went outside a little bit and actually used like physical places to film in. Remember that? Uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Very cautious about it though, but we'll see. Yeah. But Andor's the same. Like we know, we know how it ends for for Andor. I'm very interested in in this. He gives a little bit of backstory in Rogue One, but I'm interested to see his the early days of the rebellion. I really like the character. I think he's a, a very interesting actor as well. I'm interested to see that, but very cautious. Here's the thing, though. Again, we've already seen the early days of the Rebellion because we have Star Wars Rebels, and we Mm -hmm. also have Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is clearly headed in the same direction. I don't think it's as good as Rebels, but it's Mm -hmm. better than Clone Wars, and, you know, it's... it's, That's unfair. I'm pretty positive on Clone Wars, very generally speaking. Mm -hmm. It's just very uneven uh, due to its Mm -hmm. anthology nature. But I think the other thing, and I think... Um, YouTuber Patrick Willems put it best. The thing that we often forget is that this is a movie about space wizards intended for children. And I think we need to get back to that a little bit. You know, I think the best thing about Rebels is that not only is it just good storytelling, it's also made clearly with children in mind. And a lot of these live action shows are made for us. And they're very boring as a result. No, totally. Like, uh, honestly, I spent many, many years disliking, intensely disliking the prequels. And then my kids got old enough to kind of watch them and not be like babies. And when you watch The Phantom Menace with, at that time, so my son would have been about six or seven, and my daughter would have been about three or four. And their reaction to that movie is this moment where you go, this was never for me. Like this was never for me at all. They love that movie. They love the prequels. Uh, they also love the sequels, the sequel sequels. Um, and, uh, but we won't get into that uh, about the whole Ray stuff. My daughter loves Ray more than any other character in Star Wars. She loves Ray, and she loves that Ray is nothing who decided to be something. And I think that is the core of Star Wars, right? You don't. Again, you don't you don't uh kill the ones you hate you save the things you love that's the whole point of star wars and it annoys me when that's the focus of people to argue about when they don't understand star wars basic on a basic level anyway we're getting into the last jedi now but my point is you're completely right and if you want to appreciate the star wars that you think you don't like watch it with a child and it will completely change your opinion on that movie like totally yeah Although, to be fair, I still don't understand. I have watched the prequels with kids, and I do not understand how anyone... My, I I have nostalgia for lots of bad movies from my childhood. I do not understand <laughs> the adulation that is lavished upon the prequel trilogies by 20-somethings these days. It ogles <laughs> my mind. But, I mean... Now, it, and that's to say it, that, it, like, having rewatched them in the last couple of years, and I actually watched Revenge of the Sith... Uh, not that long ago, and like at best, it is fine. But that's it's, we're in a whole other territory here. I yeah, don't, yeah. But it's the same. It's the same. I think the things you watch when you're young have this sheen that carry on with you. Like the last Starfighter, I I love the last Starfighter. I showed it to my kids, and they're bored out of their mind because it's not a good. It's not a good film. Oh like, yeah, you're not it, wrong. 
I'm, and that would be my go-to example as well. The Lost, the Lost yeah. Starfighter, which I, I really like, but it's not a good movie. Like, at least no. I can admit that to myself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nostalgia goes a long way. Definitely. Those things you, that you watch at the right age really stick with you. And now all these people, these 20-year-olds, had, like, those movies were their Star Wars. And uh, it's it's wonderful to see that. Even if it's not the feeling I have, it's wonderful for them. Yeah, true enough. So what would you give the whole series out of five then? What's your star count for Kenobi? Two. <laughs> Me too. And I'm conflicted because there are... Hugh McGregor's just incredible. The cast is incredible. And it's if a two I, because it's nowhere near as good as it should have been. If I were... If I would give a half star, I would give it two and a half. But I don't, so it's a two. Yeah. If I uh, were to break if, it, if I were to break it down, the first four episodes oscillate between like one and two, and the last two episodes are mm-hmm. three. And at moments, they they burgeon onto four territory. But overall, yeah, it's a two. Like it's not. There's there's a four moment for me, and that's the the. It's Ewan McGregor again. Ewan McGregor and Henry Christensen, and honestly. Please go to YouTube and watch them at Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars Celebration this year, where they are just like, especially like Ewan's been in the game for a long time, but Hayden Christensen left acting because he was just done with it. And, and Ferdies, who would blame him? And he is just sat there, and you can just see his heart being filled by what's happening around him. And he is so great as well. He's so so great. So um, please go do that. So. Uh, that's been the most positive thing of the whole thing for me is to get Hayden Christensen back out and give him some love. Yeah, true. Enough. Like I, and it's always good to see a nice Canadian boy make good. So. I didn't know he was from Vancouver until last week. He born oh, really? and raised in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. He lives on a farm in Ontario now. It's it's <laughs> he's a fine Canadian lad. Yeah. So, um, what are we watching next week? What's on the ticket? Uh, so, um, one, we were supposed to watch something this week that our our screeners got a little mixed up. Uh, so we'll be watching, next week we'll be talking about a oh, film yeah. that, spoiler alert, I adored called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And also <laughs> something else. We'll be watching something along with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, spoiler I'm, alert. I'm I terrified. Loved, I loved Marcel uh, the Shell. A lot, and so did I, my wife. I've, I watched but, the trailer, and I, I'm terrified to watch it with my children because it looks like the kind of thing that's going to teach you feelings. Yes, <laughs> like... it is. There has not been that many things. My wife is is quite. Um, she's very smart and she's very critical. And when she, it's very, it's often she really likes things, but it's very infrequent that she loves things. And she, I rate things out of five, which she hates, <laughs> and she rates them out of ten. Um, <laughs> And oftentimes we'll watch something that she really likes and she'll be like, yeah, it was a solid eight and a half, eight, nine, nine out of 10, nine and a half out of 10. And there's been two, two instances in the past eight years that we've been together that she has at the end of something jumped up and been like 10 out of 10, like physically jumped out of her seat and been oh, 10 out wow. of 10. And, and Marcel, the show with shoes on is one of them. So that's what we're talking about next week. What was um, the other one? Uh, the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Not to hype it up too much for Simon, who it was his screener that got messed up, not mine. So mm-hmm. I have seen it and he hasn't. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. uh, but my review is going to be 
glowing. My my legitimate <laughs> worry is that by the time you have a chance to see it, I will have forgotten too much of the detail. But it's well, uh, you'll just have to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, well, there will be something else. I don't know what the other thing is yet, but there'll be something else. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Enough for some messages. Yes. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you very, very much. Um, if you've liked what you heard, please uh, like, subscribe, five star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. These are the things <clears throat> that help us the most. Um, if you would like to support us a little more directly, we do have a uh, Patreon. 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 Um, you can find that linked in the show notes, uh, but it is patreon.com slash Simpson. That's McSimpson, for those of you who are thinking it. Um, uh, we, of course, produce this uh, here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. Um, Simon, do you have anything last minute you want to add? No, just really appreciate um, getting a getting messages from people who are engaged with the podcast and want to talk about it is really wonderful. So I just want to say thank you for, for listening and, and for pushing up us up the various charts or the various po- podcast charts that we're on. And it means a lot that people are, are enjoying it and engaging it because we love recording it as well. So thank you for listening so much. Uh, indeed. Uh, everything he said, ditto. And, <laughs> and uh, so that's it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on this awesome Friday. Bye.